Father, we thank thee for thy word so clear this morning about the meaning of baptism and what a man and a woman must do in order to be saved. Father, we pray, Lord, that your word would not remain within the walls of this building, but in the hearts, uh, fleshly tables of our hearts, as your scripture says. We pray that you would bless us this afternoon now and the work that would be performed later on, Lord willing, in the, the book of Household. Bless your word as we open it this afternoon, we pray and ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. For this afternoon's text, I feel led to read from the book of Acts, chapter 8. The book of Acts, chapter 8, and I'll start reading from verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death, that is the death of Stephen the deacon, who was just stoned because he was preaching the word of God to the unbelieving Jews. At that time there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many that many taken with palsies, and that were lame, were healed. And there was great joy in that city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which aforetime was in the city, used to sorcery, and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he himself was some great one to whom they also gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him, that, and to him they had regard, because of that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wandering, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. Now when the, the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. I'd like to skip also over to um, verse 26. This is continuing with the work of Philip. He didn't stop where 
uh, we read off in, in the earlier verses here, but he continued on. Verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the, the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in the chariot. And he read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man come should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they had come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word. This is a very simple account, if you will. Account of a man that had been born again, that was baptized. And the, the Bible says in the previous chapter, when they were looking for men to look after the the uh, administration to the widows who had a need. There were many widows and there were squabbles between the Grecian and the Jewish widows who's to get what and they said let us appoint seven men. The elder said we have a lot of things to do, a lot of things on our plate that we need to do concerning spiritual evangelism, shepherding, and so forth. But let's appoint other men to be over the, the ministry to these widows in meeting out for their daily provisions. So of Stephen, and they picked seven of them, but they said men that were of, full of the Holy Ghost. So they were doing what you may call 
physical labourers, but you need to have wisdom in dealing with people. You need to have wisdom in knowing how to respond, what to say, how much to give. And so they appointed these seven, and one of them was Philip. It appears that he was a Gentile by the name, he had a Greek name. Maybe not. Maybe he knew the history so well, but who knows whether, I can't tell for sure uh, if he was or not. I've got to go back and do my study on that one. But he still preached the gospel to the people. After he had done his um, uh, serving of the widows, at some point he, had, he was led by the Holy Spirit to go and preach the gospel. And the Bible says that I believe he was an evangelist. And his daughters prophesied as well. He was one that was very much out for fulfilling the, 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 the great commission. Go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he did. And he went all the way to Samaria outside of Judah because that was the command of Jesus you will first focus on Jerusalem you will first put your focus on preaching to the Jews at Jerusalem then to Judea the the province of Judea and then from outside of Judea to go to Samaria and from there to go to the uttermost parts of the world that's what Jesus instructed the Apostles to do in Acts chapter 1 and so we find Philip doing that. A deacon, not an elder, not a, uh, an apostle, a deacon, who also had a calling to preach the word. And many believed. And later on, you will see in chapter 19, um, some from Samaria came, and they received the Holy Spirit as well. Others that had heard the preaching of John the Baptist they heard the gospel later on in its full measure and then were later baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. There were two baptisms back in that day. One for the preparation of the people to herald in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be exalted, every hill shall be made low and you, this way you will prepare the way for the Lord. Metaphor metaphorically or figuratively speaking is saying you've got to prepare a way in your hearts to receive the Messiah and that's why John the Baptist came baptizing he came baptizing the baptism of repentance in order to meet the Messiah but then came Jesus and now and then baptizing in the name of the Lord Jesus but even in that itself when Jesus had not yet died they fully didn't fully understand what that meant. But after Jesus had died, after he shed his blood on the cross and was resurrected from the grave the third day, then that baptism had far more significance and meaning to them. Not that it wasn't um, uh, something important. Even the people of the Old Testament that believed in the teachings of God and believed of a coming Messiah and every time they sacrificed animals, even though they could never be purified or made perfect, the Bible says, by the shedding of the blood of animals, yet 
Their faith is what justified them before God. Read Hebrews chapter 11. And then he says that they without us, those of the past that had gone through the Judaic law and so forth, the Mosaic law, they without us could not be made perfect. What did the Hebrew writer say? What did he mean by that? He said, they without our generation, without, without those of us who are here, meaning because we are now in the, after the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're in that era. Because now his blood avails for those that have repented for their sin. And it took even the blood of Christ that would, if you will, make those comers unto their world perfect after they died, they were made perfect by the blood of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And he's speaking specifically here of the blood of Jesus Christ because the blood of bulls and bullocks could never take away sin. And by take away sin, it means take away not only the, 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 the guilt of sin, but the power of sin. There's the guilt, the, the, the penalty, and the power of sin. And eventually, when we are glorified, we'll be free from the presence of sin. That's why there are three stages of salvation, if you will. We are saved, we are justified, then we are sanctified by the continual uh, coming to and, and repentance from sin. We are sanctified as our lives are made more perfect and conform to the image of Jesus Christ. And then eventually when we are glorified, we'll be removed from the presence of sin. There's no more sin. Sin, death and hell all be thrown into the lake of fire. And we'll live with God forever and ever. So, we have here before us this account of Philip preaching in, in Samaria as commanded by Jesus. And now he's called by the Holy Spirit, calling him to come to Gaza. And he sees his chariot going down the road and the Spirit was telling him, go near to him. And he goes near to him. When he comes near to him, he, he sees this eunuch from Ethiopia. This eunuchs were used as servants for usually for kings and, and, and uh, regents. And he was, happened to be the treasurer for the Queen Candace. He was most likely a Jew. Because you remember Solomon married into uh, the family of Sheba, the Queen of Sheba. And there was a, a history of Jews then going down to Sheba and Ethiopia. There were many what they call Falasha Jews that lived, the black Jews that lived in Ethiopia. And one of the last flights occurred maybe 20 or 30 years ago when they flew out of Ethiopia back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. It's a big, it's a big story. You can't contain it. Jews in Russia, Jews in, in Hungary, Jews in Ethiopia, Jews all over the world were coming back to this nation that had reformed in 1948. And this, this eunuch was probably worshiping, worshiping at the Passover. It says he was there for that. 
And then as he was going back, he was reading the book of Isaiah chapter 53. And as he was reading this, Philip comes up to him in a very um, tactful way and says, um, he heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? Isaiah 53. This chapter is very reluctantly read by any Jew today because I can't really explain it. Oh, I've heard rabbis try to explain it. I've heard them try to explain it, but they fall far short from the, from the context and the coherence of all of Scripture. And he says, you know what you're reading? Do you understand it? And the eunuch says to him, how can I except a man should guide me? Humility. He was humble. He said, I don't understand. But how can I unless someone shows me what it means? And he desired, he asked Philip that he would come and sit with him. That's a sign you're a seeker. When you ask, what does this mean? It's a sign that you are a seeker. You're a truth seeker. And God, you know, the Bible says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. Some people quote say, you take one step towards God and he'll take two steps towards you. I don't know where that's written. But this is what is meant, I believe. Draw nigh, James says, God says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. It doesn't mean you initiate salvation. God initiates salvation. He gives his word, gives his law, and the heart is convicted, and then you want to draw nigh to this miraculous, this majestic, this humongous God, this awesome God. And he says... He desired to come into the chariot and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a, a lamb dumb from his, before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, in his judgment, he was taken away and was declared, and who shall declare this generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And then it wasn't just this reading. If you read further here, it says, then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now, this is again, every time you see in the scripture, when someone's preaching, they first preach Jesus. They don't say, you better repent. There's going to be a judgment day. Not all the time. Sometimes Paul would do that to, to um, Festus and Felix and Agrippa. But he also preached them, Jesus, who, who is this Jesus? Not that you are being immoral. Many religions teach immorality according to their own understanding. But when you preach Jesus, there's a history behind this man, Jesus. It's 4,000 years old at this point. And when he expounded this scripture in context of all of this history, we talked about overviews in the scripture when we were teaching this in CFG, Bible overviews, book overviews. The overviews give the big picture so we can fit in context all the events. What do they mean in, in all this big picture of God's narrative, of God's story, of his story, history? And then when he expounded this, it just made so much sense. And when they came to the way, there was certain water. There's a little oasis in the middle of the desert on the way to Gaza. And then the, 
the, the, the eunuch was so convicted. He said, here is water. What hinders me to be baptized? Baptism alone, as we heard this morning, doesn't save anyone. As Brother Conrad would often speak, Conrad Weinhardt, if you haven't repented for your sin, you go in to the water dry and you come out wet. Wet, that he would say. You go in dry, come out wet. Unless the heart has changed, unless that you truly believe that Jesus Christ, as the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. When you can say that, and when you say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you take everything with it. You take what he said about himself. You take what God said about his son, that he was this lamb that didn't open up his mouth, that was crucified, that suffered affliction and, and, and uh, humiliation, it says here, from this, the, 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 the Romans and the Jews. For what reason? For shedding his blood for our sins. That was the reason. And just like the Jews of the time of the, the uh, Pentecost sermon by Peter, they were pricked in, his heart, in their hearts. said, man and brethren, what shall we do? When you ask those questions... When you ask someone, please explain to me this Bible. Please explain to me the gospel. What shall I do? Like the Philippian jailer we heard of not long ago. That's when the soul is seeking God. God sought him. Now God, the soul is seeking God. And then he commanded the chariot to be still. And they went both into the water both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Very simple. It's a very simple gospel that neither the wayfaring man nor the fool can err therein, Isaiah 35 says. Sometimes we make it too complicated. We make sometimes too complicated. And we always think, I've got to do something myself. Surely I cannot... Uh, be baptized now surely i cannot i i've done so much in my life that how can god forgive me i read this uh this morning a testimony for brother steve when he was conferring with someone else and how he for the longest time said every time he turned to to go to god he felt so unworthy and could God forgive me? And then we try and think, well, I'll make myself worthy. I'll show God that I can do better. And so I start polishing my, as they do in the army, I spit polish my boots so I can see my face in them. I do it myself. I put so much work into making myself look better, try not to say bad things that day, try not to do bad things that day, and at the end of the day I fall miserably short. And then you say, I give up. And God says, good. Give up. Give up yourself. Surrender yourself. Surrender your own will. And give me your will, that your will may be totally mine. God's patient grace working in me 
making me what I ought to be. And the last uh, phrase of that song says, till his will is me, in me, is totally mine. That God's will in me becomes my will. Not my will becomes his. So what happens? I'm just conflating these two stories, the one in Samaria and the one in, in Gaza. When someone is baptized by water, he's also baptized by the Spirit. And that's where we turn to uh, go back to verse 14. Now those, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. And when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for he was yet fallen not upon any of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. You say, well, how come the eunuch didn't happen to the eunuch? Number one, we don't know everything that was written. Not everything that was written doesn't mean it wasn't, didn't happen. But also, number two, we know that God in various ways, in diverse ways, brought the Holy Spirit upon the people. And that's why this verse is very interesting when he said, for as yet he was fallen upon none of them of those in Samaria. The Holy Spirit was not fallen upon none of those that were in Samaria yet. Where did, the, where did the Holy Spirit fall upon people? We heard about it this morning, Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell upon the people in Pentecost. God did it himself without the laying on of hands. The Holy Spirit came down and he, he came down in a manifestation of, of split tongues and flames. And they began to speak in tongues. But they didn't speak babble. They spoke different languages. So every uh, person that came to Jerusalem for, that, for the feast of the Passover and the Pentecost, they would hear in their own language, hey, he's speaking Parthian. Oh, he's speaking Mesopotamia. Oh, he's speaking uh, Greek. Oh, he's speaking whatever. They, this, they hear this voice, this um, audible voice of them speaking in different languages, professing the mightiful, mighty, wonderful works of God. That was the Holy Spirit. And I believe there was about 15 different languages, not Babel. There's a lot of counterfeits out there. There's a lot of things that are, uh, what do you call, uh, manifestations, the faith movement. They put on, put on shows and demonstrations and, and, and grab your money. But we've got to be careful. I'm not going to judge everyone, but just be careful. There's counterfeit manifestations and it's done for a man's own glory and man's own benefit but then there's the real thing which happened to these people in Pentecost and now when these disciples came down and they laid hands on the of these uh, people from uh, Samaria says they received the Holy Ghost Cornelius was another man he was heard for his 
says God has your, your arms, your thanks, your, your, your good deeds, your charity deeds, or deeds of charity have come before God as a memorial. And because of that, Peter went down to preach to him the gospel. And once he re received the, the total, true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, this centurion who had somehow converted perhaps to Judaism, or was a, he was a devout man, a God-seeker, a truth-seeker, God, again, he initiates it, man responds, and then, man, and then God finishes off the covenant. And while they were talking, the Holy Spirit descended upon Cornelius and Peter and the whole group that were with them. And they also began to speak in tongues like those at Jerusalem. And then he said, well, if God has already baptized them in the Holy Spirit, what should, why should we now baptize them with water? So the Holy Spirit was first baptized them and then the water baptism came. God we don't limit God to anything. He's not, we can't put God in a box. That's how God decided to do it. And we must all remember that God's word comes first. His spirit testifies to that word. So when someone says, God told me to do this, if it's against the word, it's not from God. God would not go against his own word. Secondly, there are things in the Bible which are prescriptive. Prescriptive means God says this and this and this you shall do. When you go to a doctor and he prescribes you medicine, this is the medicine you need to take. There are things that are descriptive that says this is what happened. But it's not necessarily for you. It could have applied to the thief on the cross, that he was saved in the last moment of his life. But he didn't say to everyone, you don't have to get baptized because the thief on the cross was saved by the very words of Christ. That is descriptive. But when Jesus Christ says, repent and, be, repent and believe, or when Peter says, repent and believe the gospel and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that is prescriptive. When Paul says, God once, at one time on Mars Hill, he said he winked at the ignorance of man, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. That is prescriptive. That's a command. <coughs> and so that's what happens. When someone believes, he's empowered with the Holy Spirit to now produce that fruit. Because now he's tied in he is grafted into the true vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's empowered to bring forth fruit and fruit more abundantly. May the Lord in his grace and in his goodness continue to prick the hearts of men in our church and all that would come to these doors and to whoever we meet when they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. One thing we have to remember when we use the word like I did today, the gospel is simple. 
The commands of Christ are simple. He preached to simple people. He used simple apostles that weren't educated, uneducated men. And the people knew that. It doesn't mean it's easy. There's a big difference between being simple and easy. God makes it simple, but we make it hard. If I were to tell you, just run around the block a hundred times. It's a simple command. You know how to get around the block. But maybe by the second or third lap, you'd be puffing and huffing and you might not make it. Why? You don't have power. You don't have the strength to do that. What makes it easier in the kingdom of God is when you give up yourself. You give up your life. You stop kicking against the pricks. You stop trying to do it your way. I speak from experience. Many speak it from experience. That's exactly what Brother Steve said in his testimony a few months ago. Finally, when he made his mind and decision up to give up self and to surrender everything, it was much easier to do. And I know many have that testimony. What hinders you to be baptized? I'm asking the question. What hinders you to be baptized? Is it God? Is God hindering you? Does God say, come to me and holds a hand on your head, says, come, come to me? Like some people think that's what he does. But he says, come to me and you're holding on to the old life, the old world. I don't want to give this up. I can't bring in my suitcases and all my accumulation over my life and bring it through the turnstiles until I figure how I can do that I won't let that go let that leave that behind me I won't count it by dung but dung that I may win Christ may the Lord be your convincer your convictor and when you surrender everything you'll say I don't know why I didn't do this a long time ago. To God be all the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.